0: It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. side. It ain't the
1: left side. Thank you, Solo D. Right, Welcome right to side. another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Also, check out our merch store, on thefinside.threadless.com. The good news is the Dolphins are back in the win column. They're back to 500 after a 21 to 17 win over the Buffalo Bills. An interesting day in Miami that we're going to delve into. Also, good news: the Colts and Bengals lost today. The bad news is it was a pretty sloppy victory. Paul, 21 to 17.
0: Yeah, we're going to be diving into a lot of stuff here. I mean, on a weird day that saw Joe Philbin become a head coach again, Jordan Phillips comes to town. Basically walks in, acts like a scorned ex-girlfriend that gets the cops called on her and afterwards, you know, comes out with stupid ass stuff in the media saying things like, I think I gained the respect now. No, you didn't. You clapped like an idiot. You shoved somebody's legs and got yourself a penalty that helped extend a drive that got Miami a touchdown. Thank you, Jordan Phillips. You did more to win a game in this one than you ever did when you were in Miami. So, bravo. Good job, you fat bastard.
1: Yeah, he will say anything that comes comes to his fat, uneducated mouth. It's really unbelievable. In one of the most important plays of the game, he gets into the backfield, good for him, stops Kenyon Drake for a four-yard loss, then takes his leg and just whips it to the side and draws a penalty, not only negating the play, but also putting the Dolphins first and goal on what would be their go-ahead touchdown drive. So thank you, Jordan Phillips. Also a special thank you to Charles Clay and and we like Charles Clay. We did when he was here, but man, oh man, you've got to make that catch in the end zone when Josh Allen runs all around the field and throws the ball 80 yards and puts it right in front of you. And he did not come away with it. Thankfully that was the play that would have given the bills the win, or at least the lead with 45 seconds left did not come away with it. So Sorry, Charles Clay, but uh, we're definitely glad that that didn't happen. Also, another Dude, thing, he, called... he,
0: well, One thing on that Charles Clay thing, I saw a picture after the game that showed just how open he was. And if you want an idea how open he was, watch video of a player catching balls from a jugs machine by himself after practice. That's how open he was. There wasn't a dolphin within a mile of Charles Clay on that final play, which goes to say how much of a, dumbass matt burke is that we continue to see these blown-ass coverages
1: yeah that was the story of the day i mean josh allen the rookie quarterback from wyoming really had his breakout performance here wow is this guy physically talented and josh allen runs for 135 yards that is the most that a quarterback has run in a game since 2014 the dolphins had absolutely no answer i don't know what what it takes for you to take a linebacker or a defensive tackle or anybody and try to spy this guy when he's busting off 20 25 yard runs and then afterward it, when josh allen starts running around if he's not going for a first down he's tucking the he's putting the ball into the secondary and just finding wide open receivers too I Matt Burke had absolutely no answer. Luckily the Dolphins came up with enough big plays here Paul to come away with the victory.
0: Yeah, and you notice late I think Burke did start spying him finally after the damage was already done. And and, and you saw the the runs suddenly dry up for Josh Allen uh, about halfway through the fourth quarter, which I don't know why it takes Burke that long to realize anything, but then again, I don't know why Gase still hasn't realized that you can't play call to not lose. You have to play call to win as evidenced by that stupid ass wildcat formation, which I wouldn't have had a problem with had you had Kenyon Drake, who was another threat in that backfield with Kalen Balage on third and one. Everybody listening knows the play that I'm talking about here. Instead, you've got Nick O'Leary, who is not a running threat out of the backfield. You've, <laughs> I mean, you literally had no threat other than Kalen Balaj was going to run with the ball. And at that point, the Wildcat is no longer a functional thing. And and yeah, Kalen Balaj got blown up because every Bills defender in the world, except for a couple token guys that stayed back in case he threw it, new to tr- target Kalen Balage and ignore everybody else. So your blocking tight end that you keep in is no longer a factor on that play. So what a dumbass call to not win the game, and yet Miami still managed to.
1: I can't believe here we are nine, ten years later still talking about this wildcat as something that is going on in the NFL. Like you said, Paul, third and one with three minutes left. The Dolphins need a first down to ice the game. And they do the only thing that I would get mad at. Look, if you if you throw the ball in that situation, you play action, and you throw an incomplete pass, from the bottom of my heart, I would have been okay with it. I mean, Not the result, but I would have been okay with the play call. If you run the ball out of the backfield with Gore, with Drake, with Brandon Bolden, with Sonoris Perry, with Caleb Blodgett, I don't care, then I would have been okay with that too. But do not do the only thing where, hey, Poor Kalen Blash takes a snap, and you've got 19 people in the backfield who are like, I can't believe that this is going on here. So just a stupid play call. Luckily, it did not come back to hurt the Dolphins. So it was a bad day on defense. It was a bad day on offense, which is amazing that the Dolphins did come with the victory here. Offensively, the first drive of the game, the Dolphins go right down the field 75 yards. Touchdown. Ryan Tannehill connects with Devontae Parker. Great throw, great catch. And we think, okay, this is going to be a little bit something different today. They had 75 yards in the first drive, they had 100 yards throughout the rest of the game on offense.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you saw them do some of their innovative things again early on. You saw Brandon Bolton take a handoff out of the backfield and run for eight or nine yards to never be heard from again. You saw, you know, multiple things. Like you saw Kenyon Drake get a touchdown and then they started going away from him again. You know, it, it's almost like Adam Gase goes, that works. They're going to watch for it now. Let's never do that again. And they don't, which is just crazy to me. I mean, it, it's just, and I think the most forgettable, and, and, you know what? Let's let Before I even go to most forgettable, let's say a couple of good things here, because I know we've been a lot of doom and gloom here, but let's face it. Oh, we're we're going to get to
1: all that. We're going to get to we all will. the good stuff. Believe me.
0: We will, but let's throw a couple of good things in. I mean, hell of a game by Xavier Howard yet again. Good game by Bobby McCain. Good game by Minka, even though he had a penalty that was kind of ticky-tack. Good game from Drake when he got the opportunity. Tannehill may not have put up 300 yards, but he was effective today, even though he threw an interception. I mean, it, it's, there were positives. Juwan, Laramie Tunsil, other than a guy jumping up and batting a ball, good game for them. Jake Brendel continues to show promise as we've said a thousand times. So there were some shining moments in this game, but Again, it's the, the worst of the worst in this game had to have been Jesse Davis and Ted Larson. The only thing that kept Ted Larson from being the worst player on the field today was Jesse Davis, I mean, which is astounding. God. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: You, you have, okay. Uh, well, you you covered a lot there. Uh, so A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Let, so let's, let's go to the quarterback spot. You said that Tannehill had an effective game. I, I will certainly disagree with you on that. I, I did not like this game Tannehill played at all. I I thought the first drive was very good, seventy five yards touchdown. He was what four for four for forty three yards on his first drive. Red, the rest of the game he throws for ninety four yards. He took three sacks in a matter of minutes that were on blitzes where he didn't see the defender. They were two for nine on third down. I don't see this guy elevating the team around him. Maybe some of that is because of the receivers that are out. To, to his credit, they did not have Danny Amendola. They obviously didn't have Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant. And the interior of the offensive line had a nightmare of a game. But still, I can't let that go. I, I think Ryan Tannehill, the only reason I'm going to give him even a C in this game is because his stat his stat sheet says three touchdowns.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that he had a Pro Bowl, all world, all pro game, but you know what? If Tannehill's out and Brock Osweiler's in the Dolphins lose today, hands down. And
1: Probably he but, throw for three you know, touchdowns. I've gotta say I've gotta say that's that's probably not saying a lot. I mean Osweiler's done. I mean Osweiler's gonna be out of the league now here. You know, Tannehill needs to step it up and it's 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 not good enough here a quarterback.
0: I don't know. I mean he threw for three touchdowns. He was running for his life all day. I, I'm not I'm not saying he showed anything special in this game, but God, I mean, he he took a beating today and, and still managed to get those three touchdowns. It's it's hard for any quarterback, I mean, to 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 be out there with that just dumpster pile between the center and, and tackle position. Um so I mean the fact that he threw three touchdowns, the fact that he kept his poise and yeah, he did try to take a shot deep, but it's, you know, Kenny Stills came out last week and said about how he's running open deep, but how can you throw deep when when you're getting killed right off the snap? You can't progress to that read. So it's – it's for me, I, I can give Tannehill a B-minus in this one. I mean, it, it wasn't anything special, but it was enough uh, when all was said and done. Barely enough, but enough.
1: It was enough, and for the second week in a row – To me, shockingly, he has a quarterback rating of over 100 for the game. So there is a little something he's doing right here, but too many many third downs ended too quickly, too many sacks being taken, and it seems like I'm looking at the same thing every week here. But I'm glad that the Dolphins did get a win in the win column here. At running back, interesting distribution, to say the least, Paul. Kenyon Drake finishes the game with eight touches. Of those eight tu- – so to put it in perspective, Kenyon Drake gets eight touches. One of them is a 25-yard run on that drive where the Dolphins went up 21-17. to Another one, Kenyon Drake gets deep in the second quarter for what could have been about a 30-yard gain, but Tannehill missed him. And so Drake gets eight touches and Kalen Balazs gets three wildcat snaps. I mean, I don't know how, how, you, how anybody even thinks this makes sense in any world. But I am glad that Drake busted off that big run. Frank Gore, eight carries for 21 yards. Not a lot of run to room. Not a lot of room to run here in this game. So the running backs, kind of a tougher day at the office other than Drake's big run and two-yard touchdown catch. I'm going to go with a B- minus for them. I'm
0: right there with you on the B minus, and and I don't put the onus on them there. in in what we've already beaten to death before, we even got the offensive line. There was terrible play from the guard position. There was terrible play calling that didn't allow for a lot. I like a little bit of flashes I saw from Kalen Balazs when he got a chance. But yeah, it it was a tough day. And and really, I would love to see Adam Gase get an offensive play caller that can call the plays and put the guy up in the booth with a direct line to the backup quarterback that Adam Gase is not on or to stand at the opposite end of the sideline from Adam Gase and keep him the hell and hire hire people to keep him the hell away from meddling in the play calling. Because I do think Adam Gase is a good head coach. I think he is a terrible play caller as a head coach. And, and, and there's a big distinction there. And if you can't figure that out, then – it might be time to do one of those things that a lot of fans are starting to whisper about loudly.
1: Well, Gay, the simple thing with Gaze is he's aggressive when he should be conservative, and he's conservative when he should be aggressive. And the whole mm-hmm. "wildcat" thing was an exact was a was a perfect example of that. And
0: it was it, dumb. It, seems like <laughs> it, it, it is.
1: It's it's so stupid to to do that. It does not make any sense whatsoever. And it's kind of like, I, I feel I'm sitting there watching the game thinking like, am I just nitpicking because I'm frustrated and I'm a Dolphins fan? No, I don't think that's it. I, I would think that if I were looking over at the other TV and I saw that play call, I'd be like, what the heck are you doing? So I, I don't think it's just us on that. So you're going to go with a B minus on there. The receivers, I'm going to kick it back to you there, Paul, for the receivers.
0: Devontae had a little bit of a day today. I mean, in, in his limited opportunity, his beautiful touchdown catch on that first drive. Absolutely beautiful touchdown catch. I liked when Kenny Stills got opportunities. He did what he could. And, and Bryce Butler actually was a little bit of a pleasant surprise in this one. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Isaiah Ford get a few more opportunities after that first one where he got mugged. He didn't really get much of a chance. And the tight ends, other than Nick O'Leary, continue to be hot garbage. Um, Jordan. Um uh, Smythe or Durham Smythe, sorry, did do a good job blocking. There were several plays where I saw Ted Larson standing with his thumb up his ass but but Durham Smythe was blocking somebody out of the play, so I can go with a B minus for these guys, but only because of the play calling and opportunity that was there, and it all comes down to our next position group. We're grading as well as play calling.
1: I'm gonna go with a c plus for the receivers, and two plays. Take it from probably a D plus or a C minus up to a C plus. One is the Devontae Parker touchdown catch. Yeah, you know, I think he he made a fantastic play that allowed the Dolphins to get a lead early. That touchdown by Kenny Stills too. I don't think was a, a I don't think was a great throw by Tannehill. I thought he was throwing it up for grabs. Could have easily been picked off, and Kenny Stills came down with it. So kudos to him for that. One A couple of things here. Devontae Parker did not catch a pass in the second half. I don't know where he went in the second half. They went deep to him one time, but they did not connect. Unfortunately, he did not keep his momentum going in the second half. Mike Kaseki did not catch a pass, to my knowledge, but he did draw one of the biggest penalties in the game here, and that was a... 25-yard pass interference penalty on Matt Milano. I thought it was a pretty ticky-tacky penalty, but he did draw it, and that put the Dolphins in field goal range when they were down by three. So even though it probably shouldn't have happened, thank you, Mike Kosicki, for finally doing something here. But overall, I'm going to give the receivers and tight ends a C-plus. And, Paul, I'm also going to kick it back to you for the offensive line because I know you've been dying to talk about the guard spot.
0: You know. The thing I was hoping for most by maybe halfway through the second quarter was that some officer at the stadium, uh, who who is a diehard, fanatical Dolphins fan, would pull over the carpool of Ted Larson and, and Jesse Davis on the way home after the game, and and, and plant coke in the center console. Uh, Because Adam Gase isn't going to pull him off the field. So, God, I was hoping that something like that would happen to get them the hell off the field. I mean, how sad is it that, you know, you have to hope for anything on the planet to pull them off the field because Adam Gase won't, no matter how much they're getting other people killed. And uh, uh, Tunsil, he had a good game. Juwan James had a good game. There are a couple little penalties in there, and Jake Brendel, as, as we said earlier, continued to to excel. But the other two dragged this grade down so far for me. Uh, they they were a huge part in of the offense stalling, drive-in and drive out. And, and, and I've got to go with a D here. And the only reason it's not an F is, is because of the play of the other three players.
1: Yeah, for that reason, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a C minus. I thought Tunzel played well. I thought James played well. I thought Jake Brundle also played well, too. Those guards were so bad, though, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, it was play in and play out. And as far as the offensive line penalties, there was a span of about two minutes and 45 seconds in the second quarter where the offensive line had four penalties. It was awful. And three of them were by Larson and by Jesse Davis. Jesse Davis also even though Tannehill almost took a safety in the end zone, which was inexplicable for me. Jesse Davis is the one that got destroyed there at the last second in the end zone by defensive end Trent Murphy. So terrible game by the guards. I cannot wait for Josh Sitton to come back next year. Luckily I do think Jake Brendel is a starting caliber player and we're seeing that week in and week out. So I'm going to go with a C minus defensive side of the ball. Again, I mean, I don't think any of us anticipated Josh Allen running for 130-something yards in this game. And, man, oh, man, this guy can just step back and and just fire the ball 70, 80 yards down the field, too. I did not like seeing overall that the Bills may actually have somebody who at least, in terms of tools, projects as a great quarterback moving forward. We'll see if that comes to fruition. At the defensive line, Cameron Wake and Robert Quinn Provided great pressure off the edge. They really owned Deion Dawkins and Jordan Mills throughout the game. Again, Cameron Wake got held about six times. That wasn't called. But he did get a, a couple of, of holding calls. Charles Harris, how do you, I don't even know why he shows up on Sunday anymore. He This guy is completely non-existent. And if you look at the punt, the, the potential block punt, the ball goes right through his hands. Darren Rizzi wanted to strangle him on the sideline. But Cameron Wake, Robert Quinn... Did create some pressure, and one of the bigger plays was Robert Quinn stripping the ball from Josh Allen. Uh, defensively in, on the interior, Gotcha had an okay game. Ziggy Hood had a couple of pressures, but other than that, they weren't able to contain Josh Allen either. So, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth on it. Wake and Quinn, to me, elevate this grade up to about a B minus.
0: Yeah. I thought Branch had an okay game, too. I, I didn't think it was great, but I think he's continuing to pay for the sins of last season. But it, it, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to Charles Harris. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he can be in, in the car for Operation Plant the Coke with, with Larson and, and Davis after the game. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, hold on, it's. Hold on,
1: Paul. i gotta, I got to stop here one second. You told me off, off air that we need to kinda you know, we agreed that we need to tone down the cursing. And now here you are yeah. talking about planting Coke <laughs> on a player. Hey, I'm all for I didn't here. say plant
0: the effing coke. I just said plant okay, the coke. Gotcha, I mean, gotcha. it, I'm sorry. It's a continue. suggestion.
1: <laughs>
0: if I if I could hypnotize somebody over the airwaves, if there's a friendly officer in Miami that's listening right now I didn't suggest this I play no part in it if it happens but if it does wink wink not not good on you um but you know it's I mean it's inexplicable I mean granted Miami's decimated with injuries right now but is it deactivate Charles Harris and activate Jonathan Woodard you know I, I mean how hard is that deactivate Jesse Davis or cut him and activate Isaac Asiata. I mean, if you're Ted Larson, you're the worst graded guard in football, can Asiata's knees really be that bad? You know, it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. And you know what, as far as the D-line goes, as far as the defensive tackles go, as far as Josh Allen running for a bunch of yards go, we talked about it last week. And the scheme didn't account for Josh Allen being mobile. And the fact that he broke so many tackles, as I put it on Twitter, he looked like Bo Jackson in Tech Mobile. I mean, it's just mind-boggling to me how it took Matt Burke till the fourth quarter, halfway through, to start spying the guy with a linebacker. I mean, at what point do you realize, like, ah, crap, I got to show up and do my job today? Matt Burke, get in the Coke car. You know, it, we're gonna <laughs> need a Coke minivan at this point. But well, I, it, 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 no, it's, I mean, for me, the D line did their jobs. Their jobs just weren't defined correctly other than Charles Harris, you know, but it's, damn it. Get get coordinators to do their jobs. That's who I want to do their jobs because you can scheme with ineffective players to do something effective. And we've got effective players and, and they're being schemed wrong. So I'll give the D line a B. They did their jobs as they were asked. They were just asked to do stupid things at times.
1: Yeah. And also again, this nine, this wide nine scheme does not work. And I feel bad that Wake and Quinn have to do it because when they get washed out of the play, especially by a mobile quarterback, he steps up in the pocket, and then he, they're behind him, and then he either gets to run or throw to a wide open receiver because not, now you've taken two players out of the out of the equation. So we continue to see that that problem. Cameron Wake was an absolute beast in this game. I am getting closer and closer to saying, hey, look, we need to re-sign this guy after the year. I don't care how old he is, if if he's going to play thirty or thirty-five snaps a game and provide that pressure until he's 40, I'd like to see it. So that's where I am right now on him. The linebackers, again, I, it's it's a defense that doesn't work, and Kiko Alonso continues to make so many bad plays every week. He had another 15-yard penalty on a two-yard catch by wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. He also had that vintage play that you'll see all over SportsCenter this week where Josh Allen is – Avoiding him and just basically pushing him from behind like a giant. And just a lot of plays by Kiko Alonso here that just aren't good enough. Jerome Baker was a little more quiet today, but sometimes no news is good news when it comes to these things. Raekwon McMillan, I was right there with that touchdown that put the Bills up 17-14 to 14 overall. He, he played an okay game, I thought. Kiko Alonso may make a lot of big plays, but man, he lets up a lot of them too. So right now I'm going to give this linebacker unit a C for this game.
0: I'll give him a C too, but I, again, it's one of those things that just they're being asked to do stupid things. We have too many blown coverages that the linebackers are part of, but I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's Matt Burke continues to frustrate it. They're, there are no way – there is no way that there are this many blown coverages from the linebackers, blown assignments from the linebackers, that they still have – you know, if they're blowing the assignments, they shouldn't have their jobs. If they're not blowing their assignments and they're performing their assignments, they're just stupid. Obviously, you can't pull them off the field. I don't see them getting pulled off the field. So maybe somebody should go wake Matt Burke up, get the freaking paper out from in front of his face because nobody can understand what he's calling if he's calling the right things. And and figure out a way to make this effective because it's just it, – it, it's a travesty. And, yeah, Kiko's hit or miss wildly. But I, I think some of the play calls he's getting against him too are reputational at this point. It, it's They're already watching for it, so he's got to be above and beyond. And some of them are ticky-tack. But, unfortunately, until he shakes that rep, it's going to continue to happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you take the good – I switch from week to week with Kiko – And I do think with his salary, he'll be back next year. But a lot of good, a lot of bad, regardless of who the coordinator is. And, yeah, Matt Burke is not doing his job. What they should have done in this game is take Charles Harris. If he's not getting to the quarterback anyway, he is fast enough to at least try to run with Josh Allen. But Matt Burke is not smart enough to figure that out. So there's no bigger culprit in that, and a unit that's not more betrayed from week to week than the defensive back spot. But one, one player I can't blame on the scheme either is T.J. McDonald. I mean, he on the touchdown where the Bills go up 17-14, to 14, he, A, falls down on that touchdown catch by Zay Jones, the second of the day. And then the next play, Zay Jones catches a pass, and T.J. McDonald falls down again on the two-point conversion. It seems like we're talking about three or four miscues in coverage every single time. So I get that out of the way to say a couple of things. Xavier Howard, sixth and seventh interceptions. This is in the last, going back to last year, I think in the last, what, 18 games or so? We're, uh, we're talking about five multiple interception games. Seven on the season, most in the NFL. Bobby McCain also had a huge sack in this game where he and Quinn had sacks in back-to-back plays. And this is such a huge thing. I'd like to see them do more of if McCain can play in the slot. He's great on the blitz, and we should definitely see more of it. Mika had a few bad plays, a few good plays, but overall mostly good. That pass interference on Kelvin Benjamin I thought was a joke. But then again, at the end of the game, it very easily could have been pass interference on that one – would be catch there, I believe, by Robert Foster that was reversed that put the Bills in a fourth and 11. So overall, I still think Minka's fantastic. And Josh Allen, he ran for a lot, but he only threw for 160 something yards today. So I'm going to go ahead and give the secondary a B because, yeah, I can't. I mean, Xavier had some big plays, McCain had a few big plays, and overall, can't blame him a whole heck of a lot for the rest because of Allen's skill set as well as this scheme.
0: Yeah, it's fun, it's funny you brought up the Zay Jones getting a touchdown on miscommunications, getting a two-point on miscommunication. If you want to go back to his first touchdown, I mean, it was very clear the corner was handing him off to Rashad Jones, or he thought, and Rashad had no idea that that was coming. So, you know, corner tries to recover, but there's no chance. It's just miscommunication after miscommunication. I mean, I know Miami's got, what, 17, 18, 19 interceptions on the year now, something like that. I don't have the number off the top of my head.
1: Nineteen.
0: Nineteen. Uh, but it, it's, I, I'm almost starting to think with how out of position that they are, on, uh, especially on handoff plays. It's you know The thought has crossed my mind that, hell, maybe the defensive backs at times are just in weird places that no quarterback in their right mind would expect, which is both genius and stupid. Uh, because there are times where you're going to get that interception but the rest of the times you're going to get smoked and and relying on Miami's offense to score a touchdown at this point is laughable so uh yeah it's I thought there was good play from the secondary even though there was miscommunications there obviously was you pointed out a lot of the plays I thought other than Minka our safeties were pretty invisible today overall I mean they had a couple of plays but pretty invisible and pretty big on the miscommunication, which is week in and week out. There's miscommunication over whose guy it is during a handoff. And again, we're talking about Burke and his stupidity. So luckily he he spreads the stupidity across all three levels of the defense or unluckily, depending on which team you're a fan of. So I can give the defensive backs a, a, a B plus here, but mainly for the play from the cornerback positions and make it Fitzpatrick.
1: Yeah, I thought McDonald was atrocious and Rashad Jones, like you said, it was pretty quiet. And that's a good observation there, Paul, because to believe it's the defensive backs, and we don't believe that, is in the constant miscommunications. You'd have to believe that these players are so stupid that they don't understand simple handoffs. I, I don't think that's the case. And I don't think it's the case with all of them. It, it seems like we keep seeing this from week to week. This These amount of players getting this wide open, and keep in mind, too, Josh Allen missed two wide-open touchdown passes in this game, one to Charles Clay at the end of the game and another one to Robert Foster, who didn't have anybody around him, right smack dab in the middle of the end zone from 20 yards out. These breakdowns simply cannot continue to happen, but they are every week. So moving along to the special teams, Matt Hawk had one bad punt, but other than that, was fantastic on the day once more. No real returns to speak of, and the Dolphins also, too, created a couple of big plays there on special teams. One, they recovered a punt. Uh, Sonoris Perry recovered the punt after a muff by Isaiah McKenzie. Charles Harris, even though he had a clear pathway to have a complete block, he only got one finger on it, but it did create enough of an impact to where it was only, I think, a 30-yard punt or something like that. So there were some big plays on special teams. Darren Rizzi's unit continues to get better and better each week. Going to go with an A-minus for him.
0: I'm easily going with an A for these guys. I mean, it's Darren Rizzi's unit was a huge part in, in the Dolphins winning this game. If Matt Hawk doesn't go to the Pro Bowl this year, despite a few struggles in a few early games, it's an absolute travesty i mean there's no more automatic kicker or punter putting the ball inside the the 20 yard line and pinning them deep i mean he he put their their butts in the end zone um, in critical moments in this game which is, is the most you can ask for from your punter the fact that you know they they managed to Force a semi blocked punt in this one because Charles Harris can't do anything fully effectively, um, even special teams. Unfortunately, was uh, was a good thing in this one. And, and, and really, you know, when when a kicker miss, misses an extra point, when a kicker misses a field goal, and your team's been known to block kicks, you have to think some of that's some impact from from your 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 special teams unit there. So, yeah, there weren't any huge returns. Kenny Stills did muff a punt early, but he recovered it. The fact that East Perry, as soon as he saw that ball touch, he didn't care who you were. He threw you out of his way to go get it. There were so many more good plays than bad out of this special team, our special teams unit, and and kudos to Darren Rizzi. I hope he gets a contract that makes him a dolphin for life. I I think if Gase goes, the next head coach should be like, look – you can pick your own staff, but special teams is Darren Rizzi, sorry, and he's your assistant head coach and, and, and deal yeah, with I'm it. Yeah, I'm
1: with you there. I'm with you um, there, and I hope they also keep some of these special teamers like Walt Aikens and like Sonoris Perry, maybe even Brandon Bolden too. This is a, spe- a Pro Bowl-level special teamer with the Patriots, and I'm glad the Dolphins could get him too. So let's let's wind it down here, Paul. Who is your star of the game and your jackass of the game?
0: jack of the game is going to Jesse Davis. I mean, you can't expect it not to unless you're thinking Ted Larson. Uh, but Jesse's the one that, that truly kept Ted Larson's butt out of that hot seat. And his first star of the game goes, again, I know I've given it to him a couple times already, but he, he deserves it. I mean, on a day the Dolphins inducted six into their walk of fame – there's Xavier Howard playing like he deserves to be in that walk of fame right alongside him in 15, 20 years. They need to, they need to get him extended here and, and fast because his price is only going up. So yeah, Xavier Howard is easily my stud of the game. And Jesse Davis is easily my jackass of the game.
1: Yeah. It, Howard, they can't let him out of the building uh, after the 2019 season that that's for sure. And you know, He's gonna he's gonna cost a lot in the off season. Uh, he's gonna I mean to extend his contract, it's gonna be a lot. He I think he'll be the highest paid cornerback in football given when he's signing that extension. He's worth every penny. The Dolphins will get into this offseason. They can free up a lot of money and make sure they get players like Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunza long term under contract. Yeah, you went with Howard a couple of times over the last few weeks, and I think for good reason. I've gone with Cameron Wake several times over the last few weeks, and I'm going to go with him again because I shudder to think what would have happened as far as the pass rush if Cameron Wake was not out there on the field. And even though he didn't technically get a sack, he was called for a hold once, and he gave Jordan Mills at right tackle once again fits all day long. So I'm hoping right now the Dolphins can find a way to bring him back. And I think Wake will do his best to accommodate that. My jackass, man, I had a tough time with this either. (laughs) Basically everybody in the potential Coke car could be a candidate here. Jesse Davis, Ted Larson, but I'm going to go with Charles Harris. I mean, these are games Charles Harris needs to step up and do something. And he's not doing anything. In addition to that, When there was a fumble on the ground, Charles Harris, unlike Sonoris Perry, did everything to almost dive out of the way of the ball and is creating no pressure on the quarterback. He's not setting the edge. He's not doing anything effectively right now. I think Jonathan Woodard probably is a better fit at this point, unfortunately, but hopefully he turns it around in the, the, the next few games. But right now, he's my jackass of the game.
0: Hold on. Let me let me jump in here before we wrap this real quick. I want to have a little fun with our listeners this week since we've been, we both made jokes now about the dolphin's coke bus. You know, obviously we want you to like and subscribe, but if you get a chance, go down below go down in the comments. Let us know who you would throw into that dolphin's coke bus if uh, if you had your druthers. And, and I just want to see who we get. And uh, if there's anybody good, we'll throw them out there in one of our shows.
1: Sounds good. We're talking about Coca-Cola Classic. We're now talking about yeah. uh we're not we're not talking about that Play, other stuff. Good we had a Coca-Cola color
0: bottle color. in their car.
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Leave some comments for us. Check out our merch store. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Spreaker, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and the Miami Dolphins next. Yeah, everywhere. We're not hard to find. And our next matchup is going to be next week against the New England Patriots. It's a big game. If the Dolphins can pull it out and pull off the upset. They're 7-6, and, and then we could be talking about things getting very interesting in the final three weeks, but they have to take care of business first. And if it's not on the right side, and it is not on the left side, it is on the fence. side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side
0: for the right side, and it must be the Fin side. It ain't the left side or the right, right side, and it must be the Fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what's playing.